0: All right, I'm moving back a little bit. Last week, I couldn't see. Uh, I have a little bit of a struggle. It is a dilemma that I have. If I put on my reading glasses, I can't see. If I put on my sunglasses, I can't see. So I'm going to manage through it. It's going to be okay. Um, today, the message is going to be very foundational, I guess. Um, two things kind of brought this message to my mind and to my heart, and it was a combination of two things. One is that there, there was a, a man that had reached out to ask to speak to me about our church and asked, what is it that we believe? That was one thing. The other thing that impacted me and the, impacted this message was the fact that on the back of a white van, I saw uh, a, a sticker that said <laughs> Luke chapter 4 verse 17. So I, I, I try to read all the things that God is showing me and I try to listen to all the things that God is kind of revealing to me and It turns out that little numbers written on the back of a van was one of those things. So, as we look today at God's Word, it's very foundational. One of the things that that I know as you play sports, uh, I I think that everybody's probably had a coach somewhere. If you played any sport, that will tell you that the fundamentals of that sport are the most important things. So, sometimes... Uh, we have to pause for just a minute and look at the fundamentals of what we believe and really embrace those and learn those. And if you do, it, it actually helps you when you come to a time when you have to explain what it is that you believe, which is something that I believe that all of us need to be able to do because if we know what we believe, then we know what we're supposed to be doing. And as we've been looking at the past couple of weeks, what is it that we're doing? Are we doing the right things? Are we doing what we're supposed to do? And I think in order to be able to get there, we've got to have the fundamentals at the base to make us rock solid in who we are and why we are doing what we are doing. So I can remember a few years ago, I was at um, a state championship soccer game. I know most of you don't relate to soccer. Soccer happens to be my sport. I'm one of about 3% of the people in the United States that actually love soccer. So anyway, so I was at a state championship soccer game, uh, Faith Christian School. Uh, was playing some school in Birmingham that were remain nameless because I don't want to give them glory. So Faith Christian School was was playing this this state championship team. They had been state championships over and over and over. Uh, they were the state champions in the in the state, and and they were just really good at what they did. So as I watched them, I tried to watch and see what it was that made them so good. And as I watched, you could tell it was the fundamentals. They had the fundamentals down. They knew rock solid how to pass. They knew where their positions were, and they just knew the the basics of the game, and they did those really well. And their coach, their coach was completely calm the whole time because Faith Christian School, at the beginning of the game, they got up a few goals, and it was like, oh man, this looks like we're going to win the state championship. I'll go ahead and spoil it. We didn't win, by the way, but I watched the coach of this other team And they did the fundamentals really, really well. The coach just stayed over there on the sidelines. He looked at his team and he said this, you keep playing your game, you keep doing your thing, and the goals will come. And he was exactly right. That's exactly what happened. Man, they were calm, cool, and collected, and they just passed the ball around and they did what they were supposed to do. And sure enough, goal opportunity after goal opportunity came. They kept shooting, they kept shooting, they kept shooting. Eventually, they ended up just basically blowing us off the field. And I say that, you know, because my daughter went to Faith Christian School and I'm a really big Faith Christian School fan, but it was so amazing to watch this team that knew the fundamentals very well and watch them execute those fundamentals and see what happened as a result. As we as Christians, if we will do that, if we will get the fundamentals down, if we will understand why it is what we believe, what we believe, if we will get that down, I believe that will be the overflow of our hearts and that will be the overflow of what Simple Church is and that is we're going to get... Those goals. We're going to do those things that God has called us to do, that, that it's going to be the overflow of our hearts. It's going to be the natural overflow of our hearts if we understand what God has called us to do. So here we are today and we're going to look at Luke chapter 4 and we're going to look at Jesus in the very early part of his ministry. Now the thing I think that's cool about Luke, and, and I just like Luke, Luke's a physician, right? So, so Luke is a doctor and, and I like the fact that Luke just gets down to business. Um, you know if you really want to fill in all the gaps that Luke leaves you go back and you read John okay four gospel accounts you can go back and read John because John fills in a lot of the gaps that are left but Luke just kind of narrows it down and boils it down says here's what we learned here's what was said here's what happened so today we're going to look in Luke chapter 4 Jesus has already kind of started his earthly ministry Um, he has he has performed uh, uh, the the miracle at Cana where he turned uh, water into wine if you remember that one And, and here we see, we see Luke catching up with Jesus being in the synagogue. And I want you to hear what Jesus, the Son of God, the very Son of God, this is what he says. It says in Luke chapter 4, it says this, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his, home, his boy home, boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up and read the scriptures. Now see, this was very common in this day. What they would do is... is Throughout the week and especially on the Sabbath, they would go and they would read the scriptures. And what would happen is, very similar to what we do at church on Sunday, is we would have somebody read the scriptures and then kind of expound upon them and explain what they meant. And, and here's what the prophet was saying. And they would have different readings that they would be prescribed and, and they would be handed something. And different teachers would be prescribed to read certain things. So here we see it's Jesus' turn. And he's handed, we'll see in just a second, he's handed the book, the, the scroll from Isaiah. It says the scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. So here Luke is boiling down to us what has happened here and Jesus is in the synagogue. Each town would have had a synagogue, a place where they went to worship, a place where they went to uh, to read the scriptures. Every town would have one of these. And, and here Jesus is reading from the prophet Isaiah and he says, you all know this passage probably, but Listen to it carefully. The Spirit of of the Lord is upon me, for he has appointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released and that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. So here Jesus is saying these words from the prophet Isaiah. And listen to what, what happens next. It says he rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All the eyes of the synagogue were looked at him intently and he began to speak to them. So here he goes, he sits back down after he's read this from the prophet Isaiah and they're all looking at him. I think there's a reason why they're looking at him and I I, I think that you'll see that in just a second, in just a couple of verses. They're looking at him and he began to speak to them. The scriptures you've just heard have been fulfilled this very day. Everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. So here Jesus is teaching, and he reads from the prophet Isaiah. And he sits back down, and everybody begins to look at, look at him. I believe that there's a reason that they began to look at him. I believe that when he spoke those words, it was like nobody else that had ever spoken those words before. You have to understand that the Son of God was speaking these very words from the prophet Isaiah. The same God that had put those words on the, the lips of the prophet Isaiah is the same God who created his son to come to the earth as a human being to fulfill these prophecies that had been set before. And we're going to talk about those in just a second. Here he is, the very son of God, the one that actually wrote those words through the prophet Isaiah is now speaking those words into life for the people that are sitting there in that synagogue. How cool would it have been to have been in that synagogue that day? How cool would it have been to have been there in the presence of Jesus and you go, something's different about those words. That's not just some words coming from a man. Those are words that are coming from God. And they're looking around and they're going, what in the world is going on here? I believe that this is a very impactful moment and that's the reason that Luke records it as such. This is a big moment in, 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 in the history of the world, and, and Luke is recording it for us. And let's look at what Jesus says, because I think it's important for us to look at what he's saying. If you were to read those words and you were looking at the prophet Isaiah, you might look at them a little different than we look at them now. And I want you to think about that. Listen to what Jesus says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, and the blind will see, and the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. If you were to read those words, you'd think, okay, well, that's cool, man. God, God's here to rescue those that are poor. God's here to, uh, to release some people, some, some captives that are in prison. He's, he's going to set them free. The blind people are going to be able to see and and that the oppressed will be set free. I mean, that's what you would think, right, if you were just hearing these words and you didn't know that they were coming from the Lord Jesus and you didn't know what we knew about Jesus to begin with. You think, okay, well, that only applies to a certain group of people, right? That only applies to those that don't have money, the poor, that only applies to those who are in prison maybe because they're captives, they're, they're, they're trapped somewhere. Or that only applies to, to blind people. I, I'm not blind, I can see just fine. Or, or, and it says the oppressed. We don't live in a country like China where we're oppressed and, and all of our rights are taken away. That, that doesn't apply to me, so I don't really fall into one of these groups. The reality is when the, when the Lord Jesus Christ spoke these words... He wasn't just talking to those individual groups of people. He was talking to every single human being that's ever existed. And he's not talking about you're physically blind. He's not talking about the fact that you don't have money. He's not talking about the fact that you're in prison. He's not talking about the fact that you don't have rights and you're oppressed. He's talking about spiritually where you are. The Lord Jesus Christ is talking about the spirit and not necessarily talking about physical. He's talking about the spirit and the condition of the spirit that every single person is poor. We've said this a million times here at Simple Church and we need to understand that, that what, what Jesus means by you being spiritually poor is if you take the sum total of all the good things in your soul and all the good things that you've ever done and you add them up and you look at what they mean, they add up to zero in comparison to the holiness of God. That we, we completely deserve to be separated from God forever because of the good things that we do. There is nothing we can do to earn that grace of God that is so abundantly available. It's because he gives it freely. And he gives it to us because we are poor and we are destitute and we desperately need a Savior. When you look at God's word, when you look at this book, that is what you see from the beginning to the end. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 where it says that that, that Satan has tempted tempted Adam and Eve in the garden and, and they have fallen prey to this temptation and they have... Taken and, and eaten of this fruit. And, 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 and God's talking to the serpent. He says, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman. And tell you what's going to happen one day. He's going to strike your head, even though you'll bruise his heel. At the very beginning, God had a plan. And all the way to Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, where it says that, that whoever is thirsty, let them come. is thirsty, let them come and drink of the water of life. From beginning to end, this book that we see is all about a Savior that is available to us and this Savior is the one that is speaking. And the reason, the reason that we need this Savior, number one is because we're spiritually poor. Jesus is not talking about money. That would be so short-sighted of God if he was only talking about those people that were really physically poor. Everybody in the United States, relatively speaking, compared to the rest of the world, is rich. So he wouldn't even be speaking to us. But when he's speaking about the poor and he's talking on a spiritual level, every single one of us is poor. There is nothing good inside of you. You can't help but to do anything but sin. That's the reality of who we are. But the reality of who he is is he's a loving God, a graceful God, one who from the very beginning has planned for a Savior to be here to rescue us from ourselves, to rescue us from a place called hell and rescue us from our sin. The sum total of all the good that we have on our own is zero. And we are poor and destitute and we have nothing. And then let's look what else he goes on to say. He says, he has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released. Well, I'm not in prison. I'm not a war criminal. I'm not, I'm not captive somewhere. I'm not in some kind of cage or or, or boxed up somewhere. no. No, we're not physically captive. But spiritually, apart from Jesus Christ, we are captive. You don't believe that? When you let sin run rampant in your life, you become a slave to that sin. You become trapped by that sin. It begins to close in on all sides of you and begins to trap you. And you feel like you're in a cage. And God says, no, but I sent my son. And he who, set, who, who the son is set free is free indeed. You see... Without Jesus Christ, we are encased, we are captive, we are we are in this incredible prison that we have created ourselves, we have locked ourselves in, we have put ourselves in, and we have locked the door because of our sin, because of who we are in our own being and who we are naturally. We are captives. You can see that from a child when they're very young. You don't have to teach a child how to how to sin, do you? They naturally know how to sin. You, you can watch at a very early age what happens when siblings, one's got toys and the other doesn't. One's going to want what the other one's got. <laughs> Jealousy, right? I want that. He's got it. I want that. Give it to me. And what is the one that has everything? What does he say? No, this is mine. Selfishness, right? This is mine. You can't have any. I've got it all. You, You, you can't have what I got. Man, you don't even have to teach that to a kid, do you? From a very early age, they know how to do that. You know why? It's because sin started the beginning in their lives. They are born into a place of sin. They are born into a place where they are selfish and they are prideful. And they're in a place where they are full of jealousy and desires for things that they can't have. That's naturally what's inside of them. And they're captive to it. But here Jesus says, he has sent... Me to proclaim that the captives will be released. That you, if you're captured in your sin, if you're captured in this place, and you say, you know what? I do need a Savior. I do need somebody who can rescue me from that place that I'm in. I do feel like I'm in prison. I do feel like I'm in chains. That's the way that you feel when you're in a place of sin. That's the way that you feel when you don't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You feel captive. He says, He has sent me to proclaim but the captives will be released. He goes on to say that the blind will see. You know, I, I feel like it's difficult for me to see you if I don't have my sunglasses on. My eyes are very sensitive to light. But I'm not blind. I can see just fine. My, because I'm getting older, my vision has deteriorated over time. That happens to all of us. I didn't realize it was happening to me so quickly, but it is. I'm, my phone is getting further and further away from me as I look at it every day. But I can still see. I still got vision. I, I, I can still see. I can see you guys. I, I can see you out there staring at me, some of you falling asleep. I can see. I can, I, I can see you guys. And it's, it's great that I can see, and I'm thankful that I can see. But you know what? Spiritually, I'm blind. I was blind in my sin and I didn't see my sin for what it was. I didn't see how destructive it was. and I didn't see the fact that it was holding me captive. I didn't see any of that until God opened the eyes of my heart and let me see myself for who I really am. The fact that I I am blind on my own, I cannot see, but God opens my eyes and lets me see who I am. and I see my sin and how destructive it is. And I see that I'm in desperate need of a Savior that can rescue me. I need God to help me see. I can't see without God. Spiritually, I am completely blind, and Jesus is talking here to all of humanity, and he's saying, you're blind, you cannot see, you can't see. One of the things that um, my daughter has done, and, and, and you guys know this, is she's gone and served at a, a camp for the visually impaired, and some of the things that those children can do in, in spite of the fact that they can't see at all is amazing. But one of the things they teach the counselors they teach them is to, to know what it's like to be in a place where you can't see. So they put blindfolds on them and they let them walk around or walk through the woods or whatever. And it's very difficult for them to do those things because they can't see. It is incredibly difficult to live your life when you can't see. But when you come to faith in Jesus Christ and you see the fact that God has opened your eyes and let you see what's really going on spiritually, man, it's a whole new world, isn't it? When God opens your eyes, you see things in a completely new light. You see see people and love people in a different way than you ever did before. When God comes into your life and you you recognize things and and you see a love that exists inside of you that you didn't even know was there before, you see things that God's calling you to do and places that God's calling you to use your talents and ability that you couldn't see before. God opens your eyes and you begin to see. And Jesus says, I'm here. I'm here. He has sent me to set the captives free, and that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free and when i When I think about oppression, I think a little bit differently than than being captive. Captives means that I physically can't go anywhere um, to be oppressed to me means that I can go anywhere but I just can't do anything I'm almost paralyzed that almost like my rights have been taken away my ability to do something has been taken taken away that there is something else lording over me that, that keeps me from reaching my full potential and doing what I'm supposed to be doing you see when the people of Israel would have heard this they would have thought about the Roman Empire and the fact that they had to pay taxes to the Roman Empire, these people that just basically oppressed them and took away their rights. See, the Israelites were taking care of themselves. They had their own set of government. They were doing things well. And then the Roman government comes in and starts telling them, no, you're doing things wrong, and you've got to pay taxes to, to some guy named Caesar, and, and he is Lord, and, and your Lord that you believe in is not really Lord. And so they feel this oppression. And when they heard the prophet Isaiah saying that, they would have immediately thought about that. They would have immediately thought about this government that was kind of lording over them. You see, the beautiful part about Jesus is that when he lords over you, you're set free. You're set free. There's, there's no oppression there. See, people look at God's word and they see a book and they, they look at it and they say, man, it's just a book of rules and a bunch of things that, 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 that God's telling me I can't do. Oh, no, 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 no. God gives us those things to show us the right way to go, to show us how we can truly be free, to show us how we can experience real freedom, that he came to give us life and give it more abundantly. People look at that, man, and they're like, oh, I'm supposed to be rich, and I'm supposed to have all this stuff, and I'm supposed to forever be wealthy and, and have great health and, and all of this stuff, and that's not, that's not at all what he's saying there. To be truly set free, you know what that means? That means it's your content in a way where it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter if you're on your deathbed and you are on the very brink of taking your last breath. You go, you know what? My Lord is Jesus Christ. And because of him, because the the fact that he has set me free, the fact I no longer feel any oppression, not even by my own body. I don't feel oppressed by that. Because, man, I'm I'm not a citizen here anymore. I'm a citizen of heaven. And there's total freedom there. So so whatever I experience here on the earth is, is nothing. That's not what matters to me because I'm just a temporary resident here. That my place, my citizenship is in heaven. You want to talk about completely being free? You want to talk about having a Lord that sets you completely free? When you take yourself from this place and this earth where all the death and destruction and hurt and the pain and all the tears and all that and you go to a place where he is and you're in his presence, that's being free of oppression. And God says this, he says, you know what, I've sent my son so that you can be set free, so that you will no longer be oppressed, so that you will truly be free when your citizenship is taken from this earth and put into heaven. I want to read to you for just a minute. Bear with me for just a second. I want to read to you from Psalm 107. And I may read the whole thing, I'm not sure. There's a lot of verses here, so just bear with me. But when we think about these verses, when we think about what they truly mean, I want you to to listen as God speaks to us in, in Psalm 107. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you speak out tell others he has redeemed you from your enemies for he has gathered the exiles from many lands from east and west from north and south some wandered in from the wilderness lost and homeless hungry and thirsty they nearly died lord help they cried in their trouble and he rescued them in their distress he led them straight to safety a city to a city where they could live let them praise the Lord for His great love and for the wonderful things He has done for them, for He satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Some sat in darkness and in deepest gloom, and in iron, imprisoned in iron chains of misery. They rebelled against the words of God, scorning the counsel, counsel of the Most High. That is why He broke them with hard labor. They fell, and there was, no, there was and there was, and no one was there to help them. Lord help. They cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He led them from the darkness and deepest gloom, and he snapped their chains. Let, the, let them praise the Lord for his great love and the wonderful things he has done for them, for he broke down their prison gates of bronze. He cut apart their bars of iron. Some were fools. They rebelled and suffered in their, from their sins. They couldn't stand the thought of food, and they were knocking on death's door. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he saved them in their distress and sent out his word and healed them and snatched them from the door of death. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and sing joyfully about his glorious acts. Some went off to sea in ships, plying the trade routes of the world. They too observed the Lord's power in action. His impressive works and the deepest seas he spoke and the winds rose and stirring up the waves their ships were tossed to the heavens and plunged down again to the depths and the sailors cringed in terror they reeled and staggered like drunkards and they were at wit's end lord help they cried in their trouble and he saved them from their distress he calmed the storm to a whisper and stilled the waves what a blessing was that stillness as he brought them safely into harbor Let them praise the Lord for his great love and the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them exalt him publicly before the congregation and before the leaders of the nation. He changes rivers into deserts and springs into dry, thirsty land. He turns the fruitful land into salty wastelands because of the wickedness of those who live there. But he also turns deserts into pools of water and the dry land into springs of water. He brings the hungry to settle there and to build their cities. They sow their fields, plant their vineyards, and harvest their their bumper crops. How he blesses them. They raise large families there, and their herds of livestock increase. But when they decrease in number, become impoverished through oppression and trouble and sorrow. The Lord pours contempt on their princes, causing them to wander in the tactless wastelands. But he rescues the poor from trouble and increases their families like flocks of sheep. The godly will see the things and be glad while the wicked are struck silent. Those who are wise will take all this to heart. They will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. As we look at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry and the fact that here he is talking to people in a synagogue, people that knew him, he was in his hometown, and so there were people that knew him. Later on in that, that passage, in Luke chapter 4, you read where it says, man, this, this, is this Joseph's son? They can tell there's something different about the words that he speaks because of who he is. They can tell that this is God himself speaking to them and they, they stop in their tracks and, and listen carefully. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you've heard these verses before. Maybe you know all about Luke chapter 4. Maybe you've heard it a million times before. But maybe for the first time ever you heard God speak to you. And you recognize the fact that you're poor. That the sum total of all you are spiritually adds up to zero. Uh, or, or maybe you, you look at the fact that you were captive. You were, you were entrapped by your sin. Maybe you look at yourself and you say, man, I I can see what it means to be captive. I feel that way. I feel captive to my sin. I feel captive to the things that myself desires, and I don't do with the things that God desires for me, and you feel captive, or maybe you're blind, and maybe today God has let you see. Maybe he's let you see yourself. You know, I was in in Haiti on my very first mission trip, and uh, there was this young man who they started, we started to share the gospel with this group of people, and this young man was just very, very upset. You could just tell that he was broken down. Well, one of our members of our group went and got him and started talking to him, and through the translator, started talking to him a little bit. And I, it, they called me over there and said, Kenny, we want you to talk to this young man. He's a teenager, and, and we just want you to talk to him. We see he's upset. We just we can't tell what's going on. And this, this is what I said to him. I said, I know that when you lay down at night you're scared and I'm speaking through the translator so I'm speaking very slowly I said but God has spoken you today God has opened your eyes today and if you trust in him you don't have to be scared anymore if you genuinely trust in him and say God you have my life now it's not my life but it's in your hands when you lay down tonight it'll be different and what it was like last night. And that young man put his faith in Jesus Christ and I truly believe that when he went to sleep that night, he slept easier as a result of the commitment he had made to the Lord and the fact that God had rescued him from himself that day. God had opened his eyes and let him see. And he was no longer oppressed. Maybe you feel oppressed. Maybe you feel like, man, everything's been taken away from me and I feel like I got this huge weight on my shoulders and I feel like, man, I'm just just struggling to move forward every day. Well, maybe God is here to say to you today that I sent my son. I I sent my one and only son. See, we couldn't pay the penalty for our sins. We couldn't do that. The only way we could pay the penalty for our sins is to go straight to hell. But there is sin in our lives, and we are naturally born into sin, just like I described. And, and what, what God said is, is I need to substitute for your sin. Your, son, your sin has to be judged. Your sin has to be dealt with because of my holiness. For you to be in my presence, for you to be in my kingdom, your sin has to be dealt with. And he did that through his son, Jesus Christ. He took all of the vengeance and wrath that was, that was held up from the whole world and all of the sin of the world and poured it out on his son so that you could be set free. So that you wouldn't have to feel that oppression that you feel right now. Maybe today you heard these words from the prophet Isaiah and from the Lord Jesus Christ, and they've spoken to you in a way that you've never heard them before. How will you lay down and sleep tonight? Will it be the same as it was last night? Will you still feel the weight and the the stress and the, the blindness and the oppression and the captivity? Will you still feel that tonight? Or will you say yes to Jesus today and say, God, set me free. You've opened my eyes, set me free. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much, God, for your sacrifice through your son, Jesus. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. God, you have told us that from the beginning of this book in Genesis 3 all the way to Revelation 22. God, you have shown us that you are a saving God. You are a rescuing God. I believe wholeheartedly if you've spoken to somebody today. God, you've called out to rescue them. You've called out to take them from the place that they're in, God, the path that they're on and, and taking them to a new path. I believe that you've opened someone's eyes today. God, I know that it, it's, it's, we're outside and it's different. I know that we're outside and, and the sun's beating down and we're sweaty and, and all of that, but God, I, I pray that we would pause in this moment and just recognize your goodness. We would recognize, God, just what you're doing right now in this place things may be different and we may be in a different place and we're outside and all of that, but you're still the same God. You're still the same God that wrote these words to call out to our souls and open our eyes. So God, I pray that we'd be people that respond to you. We'd say yes to you. God, for people that feel oppressed and they feel captive and God, they feel blind and they feel poor. God, I pray, Lord, that you have shown them truth today. God, that you would set them free. God, that they come to you completely. Thank you for this precious word. Thank you for how you have spoken to us in Jesus' name.